In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. Please pray with me. Dear God in heaven, we ask you to join us here this morning, and we trust that you have kept your promise and are among us. May my words be your words and all of our thoughts your thoughts. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, Merry Christmas. I want to get that out of the way immediately because I actually have a pressing question to ask you this morning. I want to ask you seriously, what is a Christian? What is a Christian? I've been thinking about this a lot. Perhaps this question seems to come out of left field to you here on Christmas morning. Um, It doesn't for me. Um, It seems like this question is most present for me at Christmas time. It's when I'm most confronted by this being a Christian and what that means. I mean, after all, this is the season during which the gap is wishing us happy do whatever you wanica. Well, the the next line of my sermon was, why do we laugh at that? But none of you laughed. (laughs) You totally ruined this whole thing. Why is it that we go to church so often this week? We sing the same hymns over and over. Why do we insist on singing hymns like, what child is this? And roll our eyes when Harry Connick Jr. sings, happy ho, ho, ho to you. Although, full disclosure, I really like that song. (laughs) We do these things because we're Christians. But what is a Christian? I think that if we were to go around town and just ask people to describe a Christian, the first thing that they would do is start to describe a series of behaviors. It's probably true of many of us in this church this morning. If we think about what is a Christian, we might say something like, well, someone who tries to do the right thing, someone who worships God, who follows Jesus, who tries to love their neighbor as themselves. Or if we're more cynical, uh, we might say that a Christian is someone who says that they'll try to do the right thing, who says they follow Jesus, who claims that they'll love their neighbor as themselves, but they're only saying that so that they can trick people into letting them get away with all the lying, cheating, and stealing that they can. Either way you go, positive or negative, Christianity is described most readily, I think, as a pattern of behavior. There are things Christians ought to do, and there are things Christians ought not to do. And in the doing or the not doing, we can tell if someone is really a Christian or not. Now, this thinking is so painful that it'll make you cry, but this is exactly the kind of religious thinking that those shepherds in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks, By night. This is exactly the kind of religious thinking that those shepherds were engaged in. They didn't know about Christianity yet, of course, that would come soon enough, but they're already thinking in these terms. Because how does Luke describe the shepherds reacting to the glory of the Lord shining around them? Luke says that they were terrified. 
Why should they be afraid? Well, the shepherds saw the glory of the Lord shining all around them, and they probably thought it was all over. This was the reckoning for them. They thought that they hadn't lived lives good enough for God. And so, they were terrified. When you think that your relationship with God is based on the quality of your behavior, you'll be terrified too. And your relationship will be ruined. Maybe by fear, like the shepherds, or maybe by resentment, anger, or frustration. Maybe you're in church this morning, the one time you come every year because of that resentment, anger, or frustration. When we imagine that we can describe a Christian by a pattern of behavior, we ruin everything. But the angel has better news. Do not be afraid. With just those four words, he tells the shepherds and us that we're thinking about this thing all wrong. That our relationship with God is not dependent on our behavior. In fact, it's not dependent on us at all. As St. Paul said to Titus in our second reading, he says, when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Why? Not because of any works of righteousness that we had done. Not because of the quality of our lives. But according to his mercy. And the angel goes on, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all people. To you is born this day in the city of David, who? A Savior. That, my brothers and sisters, as Linus says in A Charlie Brown Christmas, is what Christmas is all about. The angel does not say, to you is born this day in the city of David, a guy who's going to tell you how to live your life. If the angel had said that, he would have had to start a little differently. Be very afraid, for see, I am bringing you bad news of great sorrow for all the people. But make no mistake, a Jesus who comes to tell you how to live your life is bad news. But that is not the Jesus who comes at Christmas. Our prayer book has a series of verses that we call the comfortable words. And we're going to read them in just a few minutes after we confess our sins and hear the words of absolution. Because the Jesus who comes at Christmas is a Jesus of comfort. Come unto me, all ye that travail and are heavy laden and I will refresh you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son to the end that all that believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is a true saying and worthy of all to be received that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, he is the perfect offering for our sins, and not for ours only, 
but for the sins of the whole world. And on Christmas morning, bright and early, in the midst of what is otherwise a very scary situation, we get more comfortable words. Do not be afraid. For see, I am bringing you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. You see, Jesus needs to be a Christ of comfort because Christmas is actually the beginning of a war. It's a war waged by God against the things that make us afraid. Christmas is the first volley in God's war to save humankind. When my friend Zach Hicks was here this last week and he led us in a Christmas sing-along a few days ago, he sang a powerful Christmas song called This Is War. Now perhaps that's an odd title for a Christmas song to you, but this was an amazing song, This Is War, by Dustin Kensrew. And the first verse went like this. This is war, a sight unseen. This winter's long, it's cold and mean. With downcast hearts, we stood condemned. The tide turns now at Bethlehem. The tide turns now at Bethlehem. It's Bethlehem that sets the God of Christianity apart. Every other religion, every other system, every other philosophy puts the onus on you to improve yourself, to do better, to be obedient, to get to God. That winter is long. It's cold and mean. And when... when Almighty God does come in these other systems, these other religions. He comes to judge how well you did. No wonder the shepherds were so afraid. With downcast hearts, they stood condemned. Christ, however, came not to judge the world, but to save it. When we imagine a God sitting up there in the clouds, we imagine a God who's waiting for us to climb a mountain to get to him. I'm right here, he seems to be saying. Just get to work. Work hard. Climb that mountain of living a good life, that mountain of being a good father, that mountain of trying to be like my son, that mountain of being a loving wife, a good provider. Climb that mountain and get to me. I'm waiting. But that's not our God. That's not the God of Christmas. At Bethlehem, our God came down in the form of an infant for whom there wasn't even space in the inn. Christmas, Bethlehem, is what makes Christianity unique. Everything else says you get to work to get to God. Jesus at Christmas says, God got to work to get to you. The God of Christmas 
comes to us before we do good things, or more accurately, in spite of our failure to do good things. Listen again to St. Paul. When the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of any works of righteousness that we had done, not because of any mountains that we had climbed, but according to his mercy, because he came down to us. This is what we celebrate on Christmas when we sing joy to the world. This is what we're joyful about. When we sing it came upon a midnight clear, this is what came. The goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. And he saved us not because of any works that we had done, but according to his mercy. Here again these comfortable words. Do not be afraid. For see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all people. To you, even you, is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. Here's the chorus from that song, This is War. It goes like this. Alleluia, a child is born. He is the rescue we've waited for. The throne of David he will restore and reign with mercy forevermore. This life is war, a sight unseen. This winter's long, it's cold and mean. With downcast hearts, we stood condemned. This is all true, but it's Christmas morning. The tide turns now at Bethlehem. Amen.